This is the Sounding Board Podcast with Hachi and Damo. Thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Good to have your company on the Sounding Board for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to drink, choose to Drinkwise. This is episode 42 of Series 8. It's a Tuesday morning. Craig Hutchison, Damien Barrett with you. And I see today, Hutchie, you've got notes. This is the first. This is a Sounding Board first. You have walked into the studio, handwritten notes to talk about in the next hour. I only just had I had notes on one topic because one of my pet peeves, Damo, is the way that politicians are covered in Australia by on both parties by the media. I know that puts me in the one percent minority, and ninety nine percent of the public uh, quite enjoy the pile on of politicians. But I hate the what they're paid and what they spent hmm. narrative. So I just pulled a couple of notes out of the story. I All right, well, we may that. not start there, but get the, the fact I can see in front of you. I want to get some, my numbers right. You want to get your numbers right. I think we need to start, though, today. Thanks with for interrupting the 22 weeks, by the way. It's good to see you. I know it's a taxing hour. I haven't started the 10, but it's, I'm about to. I'm about to. Uh, I think we need to start today with a requirement of a uh, retraction from your good self. We pride ourselves on just talking rubbish on this show, basically, yep. when it's all come down to it. We actually put our hands up and say we don't know what we're talking about half the time. But we have had some feedback. You're an excited school, school kid on this. You really were. Well, I've given you a heads up on yeah. it. You know what's what's coming here. You you, you yep. made some comments last week which reflect on the show and me that need to be retracted. And they relate to Matt Damon's attendance in the birdcage on Derby Day. You said he was paid. I did not say he was paid. I'd love to go to the tape on this. <laughs> I said celebrities you alluded. are often paid. I didn't know whether Matt Damon was paid or not, but I can't imagine the number that he was paid would be enough to interest him anyway, so maybe he went as a guest. Well, that's what I feel I said. I received this. About 100 people have told me about your podcast with Hutchie. So that's code for I didn't listen to it myself. Matt didn't get paid a cent. Lexus didn't even know until the day before that he was coming. Literally just came as guests, exclamation mark. Now, I received that text. Now, I didn't respond to it straight away. In fact, I was doing something. In fact, I may have let it go for an hour or so. I just didn't even know it was in my phone. So the person who sent it, I think, wanted some follow-up. That's our great friend, Lauren. No, then next text message. So tell Hutchie to shut the up with love from... The moth. Yeah, the moth. Anyway. Now, you, you've on. affectionately nicknamed Lauren Phillips as the moth yep. because she... she started her career with us, Lauren. So we love, we love her and part of our family. Um, Lauren, now listen. Hey, you weren't listening, clearly. <laughs> so don't run the whole 100 people have told me routine. You wouldn't accept the same on your and own. I've got uh, permission to run this and, and name names here because I said, <laughs> I will ask you to retract it. And she says, thank you. <laughs> so... you, wouldn't, you wouldn't accept the same on your own breakfast show, which is... It's, it's, oh! Which is... It's going very well, by the way. It is fine. It is. Uh, B, you don't need a story insert. You're not the first person to have a famous friend. Yeah, we know, you, we know you know Matt Damon. Well done. <laughs> Congratulations. You know you know a famous person. And the you don't need to reach out and remind us as if you're the PR flack defending whether he was or wasn't paid. Yeah, I know you're in the you're in the shot. Of course you're in the shot. You don't miss any shots. So well done. <laughs> we love Lauren. <laughs> Hang on, but so you're not retracting after all. I don't feel that I said it. If you want to go to the tape last week, I oh, no, said we're not, we're not going to bother going to the tape. I said that I wouldn't have been enough money to interest him. I wouldn't have thought it's probably just going with friends. And yeah, one of those friends it was clearly defensive around the friendship. <laughs> I think we've retracted. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what we have. No, we haven't. No, you're not. You're not. You'd hold firm. It was a big week for a lot of people and businesses. Where would you like to start? Well. We've got a lot of requests to do a Spin City. Do we want to? In you fact, wanna, in fact, start with Optus. Yeah, we're going to start with a Spin City. On the sounding board, Spin City for Drinkwise. Remember, you won't miss a moment if you drink wise. Now, this is on uh, mass request from our listeners that you need to resume your role as Spin City. Spasmodically, you you put yourself in the chair of someone who is under siege in business, sport, the world, politics, and you bat. And you bludgeon and you baseball your way out of uh, out of the situation you're in. So today, Hutchie, you're going to be Kelly Bayer Rosmarin, the CEO of Optus, which is under siege after a uh, a network breakdown. In are the we past day week. of? We're day of, are we? This is this Spin City the day of the outage? Because well, that's where all the criticism was. Media Watch pointed out three errors that she they thought she made. Yeah, on I didn't see that this yeah. week. Yeah. Um, okay. So day off. Yeah. If you want to go day off, then okay. So. Mrs. Uh, Rosmarin, or Ms. Rosmarin, uh, as head of the organisation, which has left businesses and, and by extension, business financial outcomes in disarray, 
what will you do by way of compensation for the consumers of your product? Well, first of all, Damien, we're devastated and heartbroken by this outage and no one in our customer base will take any comfort for why or how at the moment, nor is that important. Our heart goes out to small business in particular who've been afflicted and affected deeply and significantly this morning. So too people who have loved ones or family or friends who they needed to stay connected with. Today reminds us of how important it is to be connected. We as Optus pride ourselves on yes, and we have failed you today. So we apologize. We are investigating this as quickly and as severely as we can. As we know, when being connected, minute by minute is important in the situation. So, Particularly I'm, with uh, illness I'm, and, and lack of access and, to even triple O services for, heart, for ambulance requirements. And, and so our heart goes out to those who are being affected right now by our outage. It is important that I get back to work and quickly because we've got the full means of trying to fix this. I will be available, however, at three intervals today. Now, where I'll take questions for three or four minutes, again at midday, where I'll give you an update on the situation, and again at five o'clock, where I've got hopefully more to explain and to tell us the why and how it's happened. But will right you now, offer compensation for people who we, who who have been adversely financially our affected? Full focus right now is fixing this. Australians expect us to fix it; they need us to fix it, and we'll move quickly to do it. When and if we fix that in, in real time today, we will take a deep breath and look at how and who it was afflicted and how we reflect that in their relationship with Optus. Are you not committing to a form of compensation for people affected? When there's a fire burning, it's important to put the fire out before you assess the damage of the properties. We we need to fix this, Damo. It's on us as a a trust. It's the first time it's happened in our history. It's the first time it's happened in Australian telecommunications history of this magnitude. And right now, my full focus needs to be on fix this because there are families... Do you expect withdrawal and, of services and contracts to use your service? I'm sorry, I didn't Do you expect people to relinquish using your service? Our job right now is to control what we can control, which is to fix this horrible situation that we take full responsibility for and we severely apologise for. We know and we hear that small business families and everyone in between is battling this morning in the absence of our service. It's our job right now to stay military-focused on fixing this, and we are confident we can do that and to do it quickly. Once that's done, we will sit back and assess how we can add further value to the 10 million Australians whose relationship with us we value significantly. No one in our world wanted this to happen today. We are as devastated as anyone could possibly believe, and we are committed to trying to fix this for Australians. All right, well, then, Spend City... You're still unbeaten in Spin City. Uh, what did you make of it now that we just treat it seriously Look, for a, a moment or two? It, well, I guess it's easy in hindsight, right? So that's I'm not saying that's a perfect response. I don't know how I don't know how I would have handled it on the fly. What I would say well, is you weren't going to commit to a compensation. I, I go to that. Well, I don't think anyone at that point because free data, hundred dollar free data, maybe is is not cutting it in the eyes of some people. So I would, it's easy in hindsight, right? Looking back, the press conference was too late. In the day. I think it was 12 hours before uh, Kelly fronted the media after the outage. It was 4 p.m. versus 4 a.m. It should have been 6, 6, 30, 7 o'clock. Okay. There you are, out in front of it. Uh, that you're, does... you're vulnerable at that stage, aren't you? Well, and you, you may make public you admissions are, that, that are going to be held against you you're in, in that vulnerability. But people, people weirdly can forgive vulnerability. They can't forgive absence, I don't think. So you've got to go early, one. Two, I think... Like a politician would in the same situation, you you have to make yourself available multiple times during the day with an update. And three, things like compensation. And then there's a fatigue element of carrying the story kicks in too. If you're up for the third time, well, well no one's going to even attend, but at least, hey, I, my friend. Um, I mean, and Media Watch pointed out that Kelly on 2GB said, well, we did react. This has been up on our website. And like that was, like, there's, people don't have internet to see the website. So there was, you've got to get out ahead of it. Uh, is on as many news services as you can. The breakfast shows would have taken all of that content everywhere around the country. And at that point, I don't think anyone's expecting to have all the compensation answers either. So you didn't need to commit yourself to a position on that. Like they, they looked inconsistent with the messaging at times on mm. compensation because they was just they were trying to figure it out on the fly. All people care about is, are you trying to fix it? Yeah. And how long is it going to take? Yeah. And if you go early, I think then you, um, you can show that you're working. Like, and I, I have some real empathy for them. Like they woke up. Think about this. No one showed any empathy for them. I know it's hard. 10.4 million Australians are affected, but so were they. They didn't like wake up in the morning and go, well, it'd be a good day today. We could break the systems. And like that, when that phone rang at 4 a.m., 
if it indeed oh, how'd they answer it? If it indeed ring. Then yeah. the walkie-talkie went off at 4 a.m. <laughs> Telegram was sent. There's <laughs> someone knocking their door. No one's heart sank further than than Kelly Bayer, Ross Marins. Like, that's job in jeopardy moment in how are we going to fix this, what's happened. And it's largely from things that you don't, you wouldn't know yourself, right? Put yeah. yourself in that situation. We know the expertise. We and can... we have got, we had to have mass empathy for the 10.4 million Australians affected. But, like, somewhere in all that, can we have spare a bit of empathy for the... Like, not like they they tried to do it. No. Like, when did we become a nation that lacked such a wide-scale empathy? It was just attack. Oh, look what you've done. You've ruined my morning. I can't cut the hair in my barber store. No, look, that's that's horrible. But no one actually meant that for you to happen today, you know? And then compensation, I think they, they should do their best. to Like, they've got, they've got the scale and means to wash some offset through their business, right? So... I don't know whether they got that. Well, I think the offset is the compensation of the free data, isn't it? Sorry, I mean, that, 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 that will be washed through their system without it being a, a financial cost as as such. And then they would have leaked to customers all day. People wouldn't got prepaid you know, Telstra's and Vodafone. Oh, yeah. like, it's all. Like, then they had the, the Singaporean owners in town that week. Can you did believe I, that? No, I didn't catch up. Oh with my that goodness. Okay. So, um, the other thing that happened pretty quickly. I don't know if you've noticed this in your social circles. I it certainly hasn't happened in mine, but I've heard it in others. The great Optus excuses crept in. Have you heard this? No. What, you didn't get back to you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I heard it I heard it in a social setting the other day about a uh, dating situation. Oh, I've been rendering it, you know, I was with Optus. <laughs> and I had that to deal with. Or oh, a tough week last week with all the Optus stuff going on. All those texts didn't come through. Or, you know, in your own client world. Um, you were going to ring me last Thursday. Yeah, look, yeah, by the time I got through that Optus thing, it just become, like people have actually used it as a bit of a, they moved quickly into... Defence mode on the, the outage. <laughs> All right, let's bang through what a couple of What would you have done with the defence? Rosemarin. I wasn't, look, I may have tuned out a little bit on this topic a little bit, Hutchie. I wasn't aware it took 12 hours. So to you, for you to say that, yeah, I I agree with your approach. You've got to get out pretty quickly as best you can. But but I, you are exposed then and you'll have your corporate people around you then, and your corporate spin doctors telling you, Maybe don't do it just yet until we get all the facts in front of us. And and you're never, ever going to get all the facts in front of you, are you, really? At that point, it, and it's it's so easy in hindsight. It's so hard in the moment. You think you're having the worst business day of your life. Yep. And you're trying to make um, clear-headed decisions on how to handle the public side of it. And having 10 million, imagine having 10 million customers and all of them at you at the same time, understandably and rightfully. But yeah, I, it's easy in hindsight. But I... You just got to push past your PR advice and say no. When you know if this boat goes down, Do I'm, you? Go, I'm going. But you, you employ those people to deal with that moment, and this is yep. always the bugbear of, of, of sporting organisations, footy yeah. clubs, politicians. If, if, if You've there, got those people in place to tell you what to do at that point in time. If there was advice to say nothing, I'm not saying that there was or wasn't. But if there was advice not to say anything in the morning, I think um, I should clarify this. I think um, Kelly was available on maybe radio or one of the some of the platforms. But I don't think there was a full-scale press conference till the So you, you got to call a general press conference? Just straight ahead into it. Right. Move straight ahead and, and, and repeatedly. No matter what it is. You can't do it too much where you get in the way of actually doing the work because you can't spend your whole day doing media and not actually on the tools. It's easy in hindsight. What do I know? Yep. All right, let's uh, rip through a lot of topics. There's a heap today to get through. Hachi, I want to. Um, we, we got a lot of requests last week to to assess Channel 10's coverage of the Cup Carnival, the uh, Flemington Racing Carnival. We both were at the track alongside Matt Damon, uh, which you, who you said was paid on the Derby Day, but obviously I've then saw saw a fair bit of it on Tuesday and and last Saturday. I thought it was good. I don't know what people were up in arms about. I, I don't know how you do it differently. I don't know how you do it. Better. Am I, am I being too simplistic in that assessment? Well, the other thing is that they won't do it again, right? It's over. Well, that's yeah. true too. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. It, I mean, put it this way. I'm not saying that they took even a 1% shortcut on this year's coverage. but well, have, I didn't detect that. But they'd have been entitled to, wouldn't they? If, they're not, if they know they're not going to get it next year. They're not going to be there next year yeah. and they're spending millions on their coverage. Like, But I mean, again, Eddie, Eddie hosted it. Um, David Gately, I mean, it's standing tipster. Michael Felgate. I'm going to miss names here. Michelle Payne. That I I don't know what they could have done differently so that would have appeased people. Yeah, yeah. And you're, yeah. Was, was it in HD? Um, well, of course it was. Yeah, yep. <laughs> yeah. That's 2023. <laughs> we have finally caught up in Australia to the. Uh, so you're a defender of the ten coverage. I I didn't see any reason to criticise because you have to be everything to everyone on that on that moment, don't you? You can't just cater for the punters because it's not just a punting presentation, is it? You need to get the. 
the event in as well. But I, I didn't see anything different to what seven and nine would have done, largely anyway. Now, again, you can have issues with the people doing it and people have got their preconceived ideas. Well, that, that yep. factors in as well. But I, I didn't get what people were asking They're us the to easy whack, though, critique. Don't you reckon they can? Oh, of course they are. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think. And I also want to expend another congrats too, because the whole. The whole carnival's been fantastic, and you know my views on well, this not, state. You're not a fan. I'm a I'm a punter. You're a punter, not a fan. But yeah. I, I, the punter, yeah. it, it's been great. I, the, going back to Caulfield, Mooney Valley, Flemington, How I many days been, did it's you been go fantastic. To? I only went to one, yeah. but I'm just talking about the whole product. You I suffered that, through it as a non-fan, as, yeah. as a punter. Yeah, yeah I suffered through losing as I yeah. do every single time I bet. Every single time, yeah. <laughs> I managed to I get through. I did a straw poll on the marquee I was at on Thursday. I surveyed the... Hang on, so you went Saturday, Tuesday and Thursday? Yeah, called in Thursday, just for a couple of hours. You were, you were only going Saturday last time I checked with you. I was you. always going Tuesday. I came back Thursday to the office in the afternoon. I went out for a couple of hours, but I did ask a circle did you, of people... Did you helicopter it in and out this time? No, I didn't. You did that a couple of times? No, I did not. But I did you ask, have done that. I did ask a, uh, a straw poll, random straw poll, straw of, poll. A, of a group of people. So where were Okay, let's set this up. So you're going to have a have me as your butt of your joke here. Where, where were you? Let, let's go through this. I was at a white label marquee. A white label marquee. Right. <laughs> Insert name. And I said, of the 10 of you here, tell me your view on Damien, if he is a racing fan, <laughs> because he, he has a punt most Saturdays. Most Saturdays. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm in two punting cities. But he says he's not a fan. Does that make him a fan or a punter? And everyone, unanimous, agree with me. Oh, every single person. Please. <laughs> Everyone. Right, by the way, they're taking out the trash effort last week of the Reserve Bank. They hiked the cash rate by 25 base points. Yep. Half an hour before the Melbourne Cup. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they do this every year, though. I mean, Half an hour before the Melbourne Cup. It is the ultimate taking out the trash, isn't it? <laughs> but in their defence, this, has been, their oh, this defense, has been for 40 years, hasn't it? This, this day, they for, it's a Tuesday, the first Tuesday of every month, they make an announcement. Yes, we're raising them, or so, no, we're not. So... Yep. They've got like 25 in the sweep in the office. 24 <laughs> staff get a horse and the 25th person gets a rate rise. Has to go and put the rate rise out. <laughs> like, unbelievable. Um, and they make sure to... they do it just late enough so there's enough in the pools. Because <laughs> an hour earlier, people are going, oh, the rate's gone up. What? Might not have that quality. There's enough in the pools. One so more on the races. It's, 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 not, it's not a laughing topic, by the way, the cost of living, but it's. No, it's, it's, we're talking about taking out the trashy hutchie. But that, the, that's what the we're The placement at. of that yeah. is shocking. <laughs> they could have done it at 10 and, o'clock in the morning, couldn't they? To your point. Yep. yep. And I, I think I'd encourage other um, major bodies. You can't give the Reserve Bank exclusivity on Cup Day on the trash. <laughs> They've got trash exclusivity on Cup Day. No one's got near them for years on this. If you, I would I'd encourage people next year to go at 45-minute mark, take your trash out. <laughs> And so that way you get a 15-minute trash window before the interest rate hikes. You know that's going to clickbait one uh, or two behind the cup around about 3.30. Is Cup Day maybe the best takeout trash day? Well, you, I think Put it is. Put the Australian calendar I think it is. on the page there. What day is? Because you've got, A, you've got a public holiday. B, you've got everyone race to stop the nation. Is C, it? you've got the Reserve Bank already creating the second story. Yep. Yeah, I think it is. The half hour before Cup Day is is, is prime takeout trash. Yep, and, and grand final day, AFL. Is the other one more on the races? So again, for those who haven't caught up, Channel Ten is it had been for three or four years now. I've had the Melbourne Cup Carnival, yep. the, the Saturday Flemington, Saturday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday part of it, which is basically these days the only time Channel Seven doesn't do the races. They basically broadcast every single Saturday these days on their own platforms. Yep. So it was their fault, their fault, according to some reporting post the event. That they didn't, didn't send people. people to go to Channel Ten. It was their fault. Apparently, yeah, well, this is a really interesting one. So, if you are, no, it's not. if you're a non-racing fan like you, and you turn <laughs> seven on, no, I'm a punter, and I know where the Cup Carnival is going to be broadcast. So, I, I'm not in this uh, category here. I'm a punter. <laughs> I know where the race is going to be broadcast, Archie, every right. single time. Non-punters, yes, which is you know still more of Australia don't bet than bet, right? As hard as those to believe. Well, I don't know that is the case anymore. If you turn yeah. the TV on as a, as a once a yearer, call yeah. it. Yeah. And the races are on? Yep. There's a reasonable assumption that you're going to see the Melbourne but why Cup why would you know it's, it's on seven then? If, if you're just a once a year, why would you know it's on well, seven? Well, you might have been a seven, nine, ten flicker day, mate. Where are the races on today? Oh, here oh they you are. find races. Yeah, here yeah. they are. And, and they were broadcasting this, the Sydney meetings. Now, so that's – there were a lot of people stung by that, I'm sure. 
If I'm at seven, Damo, yeah. I'm doing exactly the same. Oh, is he going to say, hey, uh, broadcasters, um, we're, we're doing the Sydney team. races today. Obviously, most interest today, Melbourne Cup Day, is in Melbourne. Yep. We're just going to send you across now. Go to Channel 10 to watch race four. The yep. Cup's on at race eight or whatever it is this year. But, yeah, as if you're going to do that. And you, Seriously. By the way, and the Sydney economics of racing would be far better for broadcasters than Melbourne because Sydney, without question, would value the distribution. So I'd be staggered if that's not in the contract that says the big dance is something we're building and you cannot point to people to move over to. But why would you? It'd be like you saying go to Triple M or go to Throw W. Yep. I mean, why would any media well, outlet tell anyone to go to another outlet? Well, there is no obligation to do that. I'm, I mean, with, I'm with you. We, we got a few um, pointers to this. We would have, I'd imagine, picked up on it anyway. But we, we got a lot of people of our listeners said, look, can you, can you discuss this? So I did. I then forced myself to get grubby and click on the Herald Sun article that, that seemed to be the, the source of a lot of people's attention. I read it, Hutchie. You now, got there, baited. I got, but well, I thought for the purpose of our show, I, if I'm going to talk about it, I need to actually look at the article oh, it's, itself. You're calling it professional research. I call it consumption. Well, here it is. Channel 7 is under fire over its sneaky move to ignore the Melbourne Cup. Well, I'll just read that. I mean, okay. Again, no name on the story. So it was just your staff writers. So no one's put their name to it. I then thought, okay, well, who's complaining about it? So I then scrolled through the story. It was the, uh, it was the um, pinnacle of just either burner accounts that these journos, these staff writers choose to use or just the made-up quotes. And one fan on Twitter, one, one, I wonder how many people get filled in watching Channel 7. There was another wrote, did anyone else completely miss the cup? One fan wrote, one, and then another one, one fan summed it up. Thanks for making us miss the Melbourne Cup race, being sneaky, putting it on day of racing without showing the actual main race. All of them were anonymous, Hutchie. I don't know whether there was any outrage to begin with. They're either burner accounts that these staff writers use, and we know they use them, or they've just made the quotes up themselves. Yep. Yeah, so it's... They, they weren't even attributing the actual accounts these days. It's just I, one fan wrote. One fan wrote. No, I think yeah. there was enough fans. How do you find those fans, though? How do you find them? Well, they, well if, if you don't follow them, how do you find the comments? They just trawl through socials. No, they use their own burner accounts, yeah. or they make the quotes yeah. up. Yeah. Well, but by the way, burner accounts... You, you, you attack burner accounts. I've never had one, never will have one. Well, I told you where my first print, line of sight on them was p- pertaining to the Essendon print, drug saga back in 2000. Yeah, print journalists are 12, entitled, whether, I think, to have them to trawl through. <laughs> what? Hang on. Reaction. If it's, Hang on. Are you entitled to have a burner account? Yeah. Oh, no. If you are, <laughs> if someone is posting publicly to public sites and you want to have a presence on Twitter but not necessarily be known or seen, you're entitled to have a burner account if you're a print journalist. Why aren't you? Why aren't you? If the platform doesn't restrict you from having one. I can't imagine you having one. I never never have, never will. But if I was a print journalist and you're looking to source feedback or reaction to comments like that and there's a means to do oh, it. Well, you want to know what the people are saying? Well, it's, of this anonymous it's, nature? It's news content. Of John1234 account? If, if there is anger about the Melbourne Who Cup cares what John says? shown on 7. Well, that is pump- There's no anger. There wasn't anger. There, was, there might have been one or two people who missed it. Damo, if those comments are being made on socials, then that's that's fair. Is it? Yeah. It's in the pub. Like, it's no different to talk back uh, commentary on radio or vox popping at the... Like if people are willingly putting their opinions to things, then so be it. Mm. Patrick Smith's past, Hutchie, one of the iconic columnists in our time. Yep. Very sad. Yeah. Very sad, Patrick. So Patrick Smith was one of the great journalists of our lifetime. He was the most beautiful writer. His satire was extraordinary. He had a hard edge. He believed in a fight for fair. He championed causes like the Indigenous long before society joined him at such yep. aggressiveness. He championed... And he wouldn't let anything go. He was a, a, it dog, was, a dog with a bone and a cause. He, it he, was a daily cause in, the, in print. The, the whip in, in uh, the horse whip. racing springs to yep. mind as well. He had a, an amazing social conscience from a position of fairness, but he was also ferocious on the misuse of power. He His writing... Was second to none, I think, and his turn of phrase on radio was elite as well. Yeah, yeah, that, that's right. also a very to... kind-hearted family man, and yeah, like you and I and, uh, and many of our contemporaries are all um, 
and devastated by his loss. Yeah, I, that's where I wanted to take this chat today on this show because his turn of phrase was unsurpassed, wasn't it? it, it he could put together a paragraph, an entire story that no one else could have the ability to do so. Yep. Yeah, and his, and, his ability to um, badge somebody with a nickname and it stick because of something that he felt they did wrong was mm. was was hilarious. Yeah. And I think everyone who who aspired to write columns and write them critically, as was the case for a when was he peak? Was it would have been early nineties, do you reckon? Early t- when I say peak, the peak impact and and breakthrough nature of his style. Nineties, two thousands, wasn't it? In nineteen ninety five I was the breakfast producer of RSN's um Kevin Bartland, Dr. Turf Breakfast Show. Which is an extraordinary part of your uh, CV, which we've discussed a few times on this show. You used to sleep under the desk, didn't you? Roll yep. in from the nightclubs. Yep. And... and Patrick was uh, 10 past 7 every morning for my... That's right. And... Did he come into the studio back then? He, I think he rang it in, didn't he, most mornings? R- rang him and <laughs> had the three-minute pre-chat every morning and looked forward to it every day. And then and just you'd wake up and read something from him and you'd go... Oh my goodness! This he's is wound so up today. Yeah. Powerful and it's hit the mark, and he's with us at ten past seven to explain it. And so that was my brief run working with him for a year or two. And like in that, in that era, there was Mike Sheehan, Caroline Wilson, and Patrick Smith. Yep, they all had very different skills. Yeah. Patrick was the original opinionist. He was the first of his kind in in and he and I think at his best, he was a one-two punch with Stephen Linnell. <laughs> yeah, that, that was, was the peak because he they, had Stephen uh, Linnell breaking stories. They blew up the town there for a period of time. Blew it was unsustainable the, the way they were carrying they on. Were a, they were a combination. <laughs> yeah, they were a Quinella, weren't they? And yep. Stephen would write. He would write football politics. He didn't have much interest in the actual game. They hated it. Yeah, but it was at a time when football politics was spinning. Went from yeah. BFL to AFL, national competition. Yeah. And he'd write the news hit on it, and and it would always have impact. The news part of it, and then Patrick would come in over the top with the comment, to, which yeah. had an even more impact. So yeah, and what I what I remember as as like you as a young journalist was, you would read Stephen's story, and normally you would think, oh, it's interesting what the fallout's going to be here, and how everyone will interpret it, and then you'd go to the right, and there it is interpreted for you and yeah. explaining what the fallout's going to be. Yeah, <laughs> and it was just a, like it was an amazing one-two combination of its time, wasn't it? it lasted for a while too, didn't it? it did when I say it was unsustainable, yeah. I mean that you couldn't keep operating that way. And and obviously the, the industry's changed anyway. There's there's not that style of reporting anymore in any way, is there? But it's more inclusive these days, isn't it? And more of a loving. Sometimes he would move into a sport briefly, have an opinion on and, it. And then you're in trouble if that, when, if that sport. And yeah. just leave it in peril <laughs> yeah. and walk and walk and leave the stage. <laughs> And like he, he was, uh, um, and some campaigns that he he did launch, they might have you know lasted a day, two days, sometimes. Other times they would have a, a regular input, like over the course of once a week for three months. And some did, I think, last years, didn't they? With references, not not on a on a weekly basis, but every now and again, just to keep his eye, and he just revisit something he'd already done, and just remind people, "This is my view on it." Never wasted a word. Ever wasted a word, didn't mm. he? Like, he was so succinct and clever, could spin a phrase. And behind all that was a great family man who, who and his, his wife, Sue, and his family, who we think of, and taken too early, you know, one of the greats of Australian journalism. Yep. And I hope that our industry, I'm sure it will, reflects his contribution to it. Yep. Couldn't, couldn't agree more. Hutchie, Western Bulldogs, we don't normally get specific on certain so, football clubs' issues, but there's a the bit going on there. In the spirit of Patrick Smith, can you interpret this for us? Is, he in, is the coach in trouble? Well, I raise it because they've made so many changes beneath him and they've backed him in. He's got two years remaining on a contract, Luke Beveridge, as coach of the Western Bulldogs. And you and I have discussed this aspect of it. I've had my moments with Luke, and I'm sure I'm going to have more moments with him. But I was defensive of the club when it did do this to recontract him for two years. I was defensive because in it's now nine completed seasons. He's made two grand finals, winning one famously in his second year in 2016, making a grand final in 2021 in the second of the two COVID-impacted seasons of footy. So I feel that's as good a CV as, as you've got outside those who are winning premierships like Damien Hardwick in that same time frame. So... I've got the tick on that aspect of it. But clearly there's reservations. And to clean out the assistant coaching ranks as they have and to claim at the time we're going to do it this way and this way only. And then on uh, whatever date it is today, November, insert the date here, yesterday being the day they announced it, they're going to have an external review of the of the fixer. 
Peter Jackson, the, the man who basically fixes every single problem in football. He's helped fix the Melbourne Footy Club. He's helped fix the North Melbourne Footy Club. He's helped fix a lot of other people privately behind the scenes. And now they're bringing him in quite publicly as an independent outside the tent reviewer. I think you read a bit into it. Oh, I think the timing of it is, is, is alarming. Really. For Luke Beveridge. For the for the football program, including Luke, yeah. Like it's Are you saying though, when you say it's alarming, are you saying there's some doubt about him actually coaching round one twenty twenty four? Well, I don't know. I got no knowledge on it. But uh, how can you in, how can you interpret his role to be entirely safe if they're bringing in a review of the football department? Of the football which department. they've already reviewed and have made changes in. I'm I'm with you on it, like but it, I, I I'm just know. asking what you yeah. are taking out of like it I'm with a with back, a coach around one perspective. Back, if you were managing Luke Beveridge, you'd be on the phone today saying, "What's happened in the last three weeks? Like, have you not embraced the changes of the assistants? Ha, have we not got clean air here on where we're going forward? Like, they've forced upon change upon you. Mm. These roles have been accepted. He rolled at that change. I mean, he made public uh, commentary have we, have about. We, have, we, have we have we got him behind this? And and are we all because. But I'll, I'll tell Peter Jackson where the starting point would be in terms of what he wants to look for. No one has any say of that footy club apart from Luke Beveridge. And well, that goes to the administration. And Amit Baines, the CEO, is going to hate, hate me when I say that. But they make decisions based upon what they think Luke Beveridge would do. They, they, they sometimes don't even go to well, him. They I just say, oh, Luke wouldn't want that. We're not going to do that. They historically have done that. I they think have, they're, yeah. they're, trying to, they're trying to shift gear on that. And it's, it's too clearly late. proving very That's difficult. That's too late. He, when he walked do. in, and just need to give a context to this, he, he, it was as broken a place as there's been. 2014, yep. end of, they ended up sacking the coach, obviously Brendan McCartney. The captain had walked out. Ryan Griffin had walked out to go to GWS. Other players left at the same period in, period in, in question. They were, they were gone. And yet he somehow made the finals in his first year, lost it by a kick. He felt there was an exchange of information on that particular game and that cost him that result. But what I'm saying there is he made finals in his first year, then won a grand final in his second year. So forevermore, forevermore, coming in as the saviour as he was, and rightly so, and then turning it round instantly, it was every bit as successful as yeah. what Craig McRae's done at Collingwood in, in the context of finals into grand final win. And the... The administration they haven't been able to get him to work for them, no. right? And Chris Grant's role in all this is interesting. On you know, well, is is, it, uh, is there as much focus on him? Yeah, maybe? there's he would be the other role that would be yeah scrutinised in this, I'm sure, because he has been a one club identity who has perhaps had you know a little bit of a business or investment career, but ostensibly been a bulldog person looking through a bulldog lens for a long time, and has been unable to. Reform Luke into, but like with Luke, he, I just see him like Alistair Clarkson. He's a wolf in a hen house. So why do you get? Why do you suddenly complain when they behave like a wolf? Like yeah, the yeah the higher the wolf, let the wolf in the hen house and let him be a wolf. Well, let him do what he wants you can't for, de- for, for ever. Well, but you can't de wolf people at that level. <laughs> you can't. You've either got to live with what comes with it and support it and do your best and accept the wins and clean up the mess. You're not going to change him now. He's not changeable. Like, he doesn't I, want to be told what to do. My best guess this would be they've forced change on him. He's he's not re- handling it very well, and they've gone okay, enough's enough here. We've got to go and decide, make a make a decision on what model we want going forward. But what if Peter Jackson comes back with a really dire outcome on this? Are they brave enough to make that decision? That's the other well, thing. Well, history says no. If Peter comes back and says, you know what, I've had a good look at this. Your problem's the coach. But then what is it they, also the problem around the coach they, of the people who've let him be that way? What are they going to do? What, what have they been doing for so gonna, long? What are they going to do if they get the answer they don't want? Like that's like it's not an easy thing to remove no. someone of his legacy in the club. But you know, there's um when footy clubs and organisations sometimes do reviews of this type, Hutchie, they know what the outcome is, and and it's it's just a it's boat a race. matter it's a boat race. Yeah, but, but but what I'm going to say here is, you get Peter Jackson in, you don't know what's happening. Oh, he, no. he 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 at the peak of his powers when he was at Essendon Footy Club. He just did what he felt he needed to do yep. and always has. He, he doesn't care. He's the original non, non-carer non of people's opinions on him. The only thing you can be assured of with him is this, is the amount of the invoice. That's it. <laughs> he, he will give yeah. them his honest to God opinion and will not compromise or flinch mm. on an inch of it. And these reviews are normally done much earlier in a change cycle than this. They're normally done in August. This is as late a review because it's, it's, it comes after a review. This is after they brought the people in to fix things. So that's what alarms me a little bit about. It. I don't know anything about it, but if I'm just if, I, if I'm behaving like a talkback call, I'd be going something is something in this here. And 
that that would be my read. So it's it's going to get very interesting. And will you be asked to participate to the review? Given <laughs> yeah. your, uh, will I go all the way back to the Brownlow? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Be, like, well, that was the starting point. You know, you might, that was the starting point. You might get summoned. <laughs> hey, off the top, Damon. I know we're going to get to a couple of things. We are running a little bit long in the tooth on time here. Just a little quick, get this off my chest. Oh, here's your notes. They're coming into play. Sorry. I, I've, it's taking me a while to get to the notes. Sorry, yep. Hutchie. You've brought notes for the first time in uh, eight series and 42 episodes. I want to live in a country where we find the best people possible to be our politicians and give us the best chance to run a decent country. Whether you vote Labor, Liberal, National, doesn't worry me. And you've got a view on this. You want to pay them pay a whole lot more money than they get. More. Now, most people don't... Which four people think they deserve, Hutchie? Pay them a lot more. Like, they, 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 billions of dollars run through their fingers in taxpayer funds. Billions of rorts do, anyway. Billions of dollars, right? Rorts. The money they get, if, if, we, if we gave it... Um, we, we paid everyone 10 times as much. We won't, by the way. I'm not advocating for it. But if we did, it wouldn't affect the nation's economy one bit. Get the best people we can find. Most of them might do it for money anyway. But it's a, it's a symbol of intent, Right. And second thing, stop sweating the small stuff they do. Sweat the big stuff, I get it. But the small stuff, like you, we run politicians out of the country. We complain while we've got mediocre prime ministers and opposition leaders. It's because we created that ourselves. We didn't create a framework where we attract the best people to give us the best opportunity to run the country. This story... It takes a certain breed, Archie, to want to be a politician. Richard Miles is the acting prime minister. Yep. Reasonable, reasonable job? It's a pretty big job. Now, I know there's been some questions on his... Patton, so there's a history to this story, but he's the deputy prime minister. There's a story that the, the newspapers went to Freedom of Information to see what he spent over breakfast when he went to Washington, which is where the US president lives. And this is the story they came up with. Outrage over his $115 power bowl, two eggs, and a glass of OJ. So you, you sent me the link to this story, and I, I hadn't come across it. And I thought I'd better, for the purpose of this uh, now, show, click on it. And I did. Yeah, $115. And I was looking for the smoking gun. $115, by the way. In Washington. Is 80 US. Yep. The reason that the US dollar is so low is because we've got politicians that aren't good enough to keep up with it at the moment. <laughs> so look, he's there, maybe he's there in part to fix that. The, the OJ, which has got all the, the orange juice, $20, right? It's $13 US. That's what orange juice costs in a hotel in America. He didn't go there and go, give me the most expensive orange juice on the menu. Do we want a country where the deputy prime minister has to say, I can't drink orange juice this morning ahead of a meeting with the US government because if that turns up in the paper, like, heaven, yeah. heaven I didn't sake, see one thing wrong with that. what he had done on that breakfast occasion. And how much money did we spend on hunting down through freedom of information and oh. time and effort and energy yeah. what the bill was? And he got his laundry done. Well, I'd rather him get his laundry done. Do, do we want him in? Do we want him in at the White House trying to haggle out a deal for us, or do we want him down the laundry mat for two hours, saving twenty bucks on the on the dry cloth? Like, honest to God, like, what is wrong with us? Yeah. So there's the notes. I just get wound up about stuff like that. Like, I can't believe you're taking notes on it. Why do we care about what polit- now? If you go and spend thirty million dollars on your best mates' home development and you. Hmm. Develop land because you've got an old mate and a back in rot. Throw them out, though, mate. I'm not saying there's not big stuff that has consequences. Yeah. But if we're talking about what the orange juice cost, we are we've lost our way. Yeah. How would we react? I'm just moving off your note taking there onto the thing that's fascinated us, Hutchie, and it's probably not quite right how I'm fascinated with this Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift moment. But how would Kane Corns and others have gone in, in Melbourne slash Australia had the premier athlete of the AFL... In a team that's struggling. In a team that's starting to struggle a little bit, a little, a little bit, bit. Re- relatively speaking, decided to go to Argentina with his girlfriend for a singing tour. Now, now we, not you and I, yeah. but there would be others in our industry who would have lost their minds over it. Lost their minds. Which is where Travis is right now there wasn't, with Taylor there wasn't in Argentina, one in Buenos Aires. wasn't one bit of coverage about him being out of the country, was there? No one cares. <laughs> That's why we love the States. Yeah. They just move on. And, if and you, he's on a week off. The Kansas City Chiefs are not playing this week. Yeah. and That wouldn't be good enough, though, for others. Yeah. What my, I, my question to you on this is, he's standing with, like, when, when he, the line happens on stage, Karma is the guy and the Chiefs coming straight home. Yes, I saw that, yeah. <laughs> I've watched it a few times on different TikToks and whatever. <laughs> yeah. so, you know, I'm obsessed with this content. Do you think the dad knew that line was coming? It seemed to. He reacted too quickly. Too quickly. <laughs> I had to listen to it five times. I still can't hear her singing it, even though people have put up subtitles on it. 
Or did people just simultaneously edit it? I sent you the link. I think I was the first one to send you the link where he was actually standing on the side of the rehearsal and he was just waiting for her and there was a big embrace. She doesn't do much, not by chance. So that, <laughs> no, exactly. That felt scripted. <laughs> oh, think? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I would think that was a. And if, if you were laying out this relationship from go to woe, from the <laughs> first reference on the podcast, the friendship bracelet, yes. to the first kiss on stage in Argentina in a bye weekend, I don't know if you're right in the movie, you're scripting anything different in that sequence. <laughs> yeah. It's been picture perfect the way it's been laid out, mapped, and fed the social narrative. He's just got to reach the Super Bowl again and get a touchdown to win it, as he's yep. previously done. Yeah, With, how Twice. Many, how many concerts a year do you think he's going to have to go to? Oh, no, he's one and done now. And you think? Yeah, yeah, well, he had to go to one, the one in Kansas City to to attempt the wooing process, didn't he? We might find out, and you, you've got a theory on this, don't you, that we might find out after the event that they were already six months deep into their relationship when all this was made public initially. Yeah, I would think, think? I would think there's more runway than we've seen. Yeah. Um, just to, to what degree, I'm not sure. I but. can't believe we're talking about this still. I still can't, Hutchie, but he'll, I'm obsessed with it. He'll be in Australia. But imagine <laughs> I've got the, problems? the coverage in Australia when he comes. He'll come. Well, he, no, we've we've you've timed yeah. this. It's basically Super Bowl it's weekend. A weekend after. Well, they may not make the Super Bowl. Will he come then? He'll be here. He's got his right to party. I've got no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be here, Drabroni. Yeah. <laughs> no, hey, uh, no, you, no, you're wrong. And uh, shut your mouth. I know. Quick, another quick one because we're running short of time. The uh, the fact check our the fact check. Oh, we didn't get to it. We need get to get there now. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> And, I can't and, believe we didn't get to and this. And News Limited have joined you in this question. Yes. You've got an uneasy alliance here. <laughs> We've got something in common after all these years. <laughs> it's like it's like warring countries who come together because there's another country they hate more. You and News Limited have been joined to be uneasy allies. They're what? now leading your charge on the fact checkers. <laughs> I nearly fell off the chair. I reckon the sounding board brought the attention of the fact checkers to the world, Archie, in this country anyway. I don't Sky, think people knew how big this Sky was. News. And the International Fact Checking Agency body, which distributes little badges, remember? You had, you had to get a badge. And, and who lost their fact-checking badge? Was two, it RMIT? Or? Two big stories this week. Yeah. Sky News Australia said, new bombshell researchers concluded that Australia's three major fact-checking organisations were biased <laughs> against the no vote during the voice recommendment re- referendum. So Sky's done that, yeah. And, and so you and Sky are aligned in a damning investigation by the Institute of Public Affairs. The Institute of Public Affairs now looking into... Fact check. So the public affairs is coming in over the top. And then RMIT's fact check reinstated after suspension over News Corp <laughs> voice complaint. So that's the source of this. So they've got their badge back from the international fact checking arm. Remember? Remember I gave yep. 10 minutes of sounding board content on the on the international body which distributes the little badges. So they've gone after News Corp. They're electronic voice badges too, by the way. Yep. <laughs> they've gone after News on the voice complaints. And news have gone, okay. <laughs> oh, cop these honey smacks. <laughs> Institute of Public Affairs, you might want to look into this. Oh, yeah, we joined that. Would you give us some coverage? We'll give you some coverage. Don't worry about that. Damn straight we will. Because we need some attention as well. But now Sky. <laughs> We're under government funding pressure. Sky's become the original shop front of the attack dog. Oh, yeah, because they're the and most I'm, reputable organisation. I'm starting around. to join these. Don't fact check me on this. I'm starting to join these dots. Yeah. Who are some of Sky News' biggest Well, you identities? know. Who? Will you go with it? Peter Credlin. Yep. Is one of their leading figures. Bolt. Peter Credlin is the best friend and one-time chief of staff of Tony Abbott. Yep. Tony Abbott, little brother, sorry, Tony Abbott's original media advisor is close to Mini Damo, who's now looking after Dutton. Your little brother is three degrees removed from Peter Credlin. You're four degrees removed. And now you're five degrees removed from Sky News Australia. <laughs> I suspect you're in on this. I, or my feeling is you are part of the consortium of fact-check attack that has got together no. in an anti-fact-check meeting. Oh, I'm independent, Hutchie. And launched this crusade <laughs> against the fact-checkers. The poor fact-checkers, all they're trying to do is tell, just tell it straight. And you've gone after them. News no. are going after them. No, what the reason we did raise these fact-checking bodies many years ago on this show was because they're not acting purely. They've got their own agendas to run as well, Hutchie. There's not one body in media that doesn't have agendas. Not one. In a damning investigation by the Institute of Public Affairs, researchers found yep. AAP fact-check. RMIT Fact Lab yep. and RMIT ABC Fact Check yep. consistently They're all tar- separate bodies operating under the same banner. Consistently targeted no campaign voters, supporters, <laughs> yeah. but failed to review misinformation from the Yes campaign. There you it's go. an amazing claim, isn't it? So there is political play within the fact checks. You're in this up to your neck. Oh, 
seriously? Who, who thinks she can set up a, a body called fact check? In five years from now... As, as are you doing it for the purity of the world? In five years from now, if you're in the Liberal Party and you're the shadow minister for federal conservatism mm. and, and, uh, and lack of progress, we can trace back your political career <laughs> to your original cause, the fact checkers. <laughs> That's my legacy. Hudson, one more on... Uh, now, you've extended that show here by raising that... We also forgot to get on our running sheet today to the um, the News Limited Awards. Yes, I saw those. And, and may I say, <laughs> what a mighty year for news. <laughs> I've done it again. News Limited people won News Limited Awards. It's a bit like Channel 7, Hutchie. They didn't send viewers to Channel 10 for the Melbourne Cup. News Limited didn't send anyone to Fairfax for, for good coverage. They've done it. They've done it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so they are the uh, origins of our awards, remember? You, you started them. We started the them Sandies. two or three years ago, yep. the Sandies. Yep. Yeah. So we, we are we did. doing them again? Yep, we are at the end of the year. Yeah. But so so the News Limited people won News Limited Awards, Hachi? Is, yeah. is that what happened? I reckon it's great. Yeah. I, mean, I, I told you I want, to, I want to borrow that in our business. And they had a sterling start to the year, by the way. In did the, they? <laughs> in the story written. So there you go. Are they, are they paying tax? Oh, damn, I don't even get started. Okay. Don't, that's, don't, no, don't, we've gone way no, too long Way now. too far. Way too long now. Carry on but next no, but do week. they pay tax? Carry on next week. Oh, we didn't get to the carry on. We had a jam-packed show we and talk about nothing, didn't we? We'll do it next week. Yeah. That got a lot of feedback, hasn't it? Is that it is, be, that I is... thought we were going to do it weekly, but we'll park it to next week. We'll park it. Do we want to do it? You got time? It's usually your diary and your um your time. The uh, No, we should do it. We we, we, be, yeah. we have been inundated. There's okay. I can hit, see hit, a hit dozen. We'll do one. Do one. You, you, you can see the options that you've got hit, there. Hit, so why don't you take... Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain. Uh, Flight attendants, please prepare for takeoff. In the unlikely event of having to use the evacuation slides, follow the lighted path. Craig's carry-on. Okay, I don't know where to start. We have been absolutely smashed here. Michael, Dylan, Nick... We've got Fenno from London, Darren, Jake. Yvette has written a lovely little note to you too, Hutchie. You can read that offline. But these are the two questions we're going to pose today as part of Craig's carry-on. This one is from Darren. Hi, Hutchie. What's the protocol for reclining on your seat on a domestic flight versus international flight? How long does a flight have to be to safely assume it's okay to recline without repercussion? This is a fantastic question, and I think it hits at the core of what Craig's carry-on is all about. Yeah, Darren, I think it's pre- and post-food for me. So if you if food has been served... <laughs> so he's got an answer, there <laughs> ...to you and the person behind you has eaten, it's a free-for-all. Roll yourself back, deal with the consequences. Regardless of flight length? Regardless of flight length. Okay. And regardless of international versus now domestic? On the other end of it... If you are on the recipient of the recline, I always think there's a pre-recline move. Because I think if you are the recliner, <laughs> it's fair game. If you are the recliner, I, I always shop early and avoid the rush. So I always say, look. But you don't have to sit economy anymore. This is this is where you're a little bit I detached. I often do. So if I'm sitting behind you. I'd, no, you don't. I'd say, hey, nice nice to meet you. It should be a great flight. Yeah, looking forward to getting home. Hey, if you don't mind, I'm, I'm going to work on my laptop. Do you do you recline? So you, or, lean, around, you yeah. lean around, do you? I'll just get in, get in early, is it? No one is the hoo-ha of people putting bags away. It is a real, oh, it's, it's a very underestimated little relationship build window you've got there <laughs> in the area around you. I've got a bit of work to do. The second thing is, <laughs> the, the, you can always move seats too if you have... No, you can't. That's a, that's another question you've been given today. Well, I'll tell you about the, the move seat in the economy. Do, <laughs> do the form before you get on. A lot of people get on and assess the seats and they go, oh, it's full today, right? If you go up and befriend the desk before you get on, they'll always tell you what the plane looks like. And you can, these days you can look online and see too as well. What, how, how full are we today? Oh, there's 10 or 15 seats. Back. Oh, what part of the plane are they? Oh, they're sort of row 25, 26. Okay. Oh, then you go on. Then you build the relationship with the hosties. <laughs> and once you've, once you've built a bit of empathy, like the empathy thing on planes is very, uh, then there's a move. And then you can always move seats with a bit of a smile on your face down towards the With the, the pre-approval. After the seatbelt line goes off, don't forget. Yep. Yeah. That, that for me, the seatbelt line on a plane is like it's they're racing the Melbourne Cup for me. <laughs> I sit there and wait on the start. I'm like, the doors a, are open I'm like a sprinter on the 100 metres <laughs> waiting for it to go. <laughs> Ding. 
All right, I'm off. Because the first movers always get the advantage. And if, if but what do you do when it goes? If you're off? the fifth mover, they go. There's a point where they go. Enough's enough around here. Whereas if you go first, so you move your seat away you go. And if you build empathy, they'll smile at you. Go, are you again? Or you know, <laughs> we better get to another one. One more here. question. I'm a frequent flyer. This is from Jake. Yep. And enjoy the privileges that come with it. I've got a trip coming up with the family who aren't frequent flyers, but I still want to enjoy the benefits myself. How do I navigate this? Well, first, Jake, That's another fantastic question. Well, Jake, first of all, let me identify your first error. Always get your family on the frequent flyer pathway day one, right? Because let them buy into building their own status as they go. <laughs> that does two things. One, they get a bit excited about they grow through the tree. Two. Well, I've never seen you so enthused about a topic as this, but kicker. <laughs> two. They learn their place in the pecking order on the way through. <laughs> yeah. So you're not having to explain the situation. Look, I'm a freaking fire. You're not. You, you've already got them on that journey. So there's right? an aspiration as part of this. You, you get a buddy plus one when you get higher in the tree. So always use that. But even even kids get them going their own freaking fire journey. Oh, you're a bronze. Oh, we'll hang in there. Okay. And when you one. then get to the check in now, though, to yep. Jake's point, and you've only told your status only yep. lets one in. Number two, yeah. even where you can, book yourself. Book the whole family economy. If you have the means, book your whole family. Premium economy. Like just near enough is good enough. And then use your own points to, up, to upgrade you or the others. Upgrade yourself first and the others. Now, chances are you only get yourself through on the yeah. upgrade on the points. Yeah. At which point you So what say, do you do then? That's a no-no in my At eyes. which point you You say, cannot go and put yourself wow. at the front of the Well, then, 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 then you've got a really easy story to tell. So you've gone through this one as well. Then you say... Then, to quote Damo's dish, <laughs> then... Then you say, hey, I put it in for an upgrade for all of us. Yeah. Only mine's come through. <laughs> what do you think we should do? Well, there's only one thing you can do in that occasion. You then relinquish that to you your partner. It, offer it up. Yeah. Inevitably. That's the only thing you can do there. But then most families then have got, they're already on the journey. Well, I'm a bronze. He's a silver. I understand why you're gold. And gold. Okay, we'll be gold one day. They often push it back to you, know, you go, no, you go. And you've got to play the you go, you go routine for a good 20, 30 seconds. And also, you'd be really bad with the kids down the back, too. And there's a, there's an understanding of that, too. And, so, oh, I better go up front. And plus, one in every 10 of those actually do go and sit in the economy yourself. Because then you can always just hang your hat on that. Remember that day, I, remember that day I flew cramped to Perth? <laughs> so, you've got to take the 10% sacrificial lamb, and that buys you 90% of smother. <laughs> We will get to these, and I should have raised this uh, a lot earlier than about an hour into this show today or whatever it is. So uh, we better end it, though, because we've gone way too long, Man. and I can see you needing to go. But that was Craig's carry-on for this particular episode of The Sounding Board for DrinkWise. If you're choosing to drink, choose to DrinkWise. Thanks for listening to The Sounding Board podcast with Hutchie and Damo. Tune in for questions tomorrow, and to send a question to the boys, email thesoundingboard at sen.com.au, follow the show on Twitter at Sounding Board EP, and like the Facebook page. It's all thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise.